0: <laughs> back. (laughs) We'll be right back. punkadelophiles what the fuck is going on it is time to talk about UFC 263 it's the biggest event that we've had in a while it's coming up this Saturday let's get fucking into it so we just had too many thoughts on this card to restrict them to a section on the regular podcast so we're going to throw out a bonus here hopefully also have the impact then of um not alienating any of our listeners to this week's podcast that don't like fighting because there are a lot of those too so We'll head into this card. Let's have a look right down the card. It is Saturday, June the 12th at the Gila River Arena, which I believe is in Arizona. So I'm not too sure how that affects uh, how weather and local conditions, whether or not that's elevated above sea level. But it's important to note that location because it is not the UFC's Apex Center in Las Vegas. So it means that we're back to having the regular size cage, which I think will be a big factor in a number of the fights that we're going to talk about here tonight. So, without further ado, let's list those fights and what we are going to talk about. So we're going to talk about uh, the main event, obviously, the fascinating rematch between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori for the middleweight belt. We will talk about the co-main event, which is a rematch of one of the matches of last year. I believe it was only... Uh, only beaten out to fight of the year on any journalist that's worth a damn's list by the Wele zhang Joanna jorjecik fight. And that is, of course, the rematch between Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno for the 125-pound meal flyweight title. And then, in a the UFC first, we have a five-round Coco main event. I'm not really sure what they call this one, um, but either way, it's an event. It is one of the biggest events on the fucking card. Nate Diaz takes on Leon Edwards who's riding an 8 fight winning streak and has been crippled by inactivity looking to get that title shot to avenge his last loss which came in 2013 at the hands of Kamaruddin Ousmane so there are storylines all over this card and um, let's see who else is fighting on the card in its totality Damian Maya takes on Bilal Muhammad in the welterweight division. That's sort of a mid table decider who's going to move up, who's going to move down. That light heavyweight Paul Craig, the Scottish submission artist, takes on undefeated rising prospect Jamal Hill. Hope I've pronounced that first name correctly. I'm not sure if you really pronounce the ha. I think it might just be Jamal, but you know. I'm too white to get a name off like that without uh without it sounding forced. The featured prelim is a fascinating lightweight battle, of strikers between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. Brad, I would argue, is much more rounded. That's a fascinating fight. That light heavyweight, Eric, your boy Anders, is fighting Darren, the dentist, Stewart. Another English prospect. Women's flyweight Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood in a title eliminator. The next, um, the next fight for the winner of that is almost undoubtedly Valentina Shevchenko, the the bullet, uh, aptly aptly named. At featherweight, Mosfar Evelyev is fighting Hakim Daw- Dawudu, Dawudu, Dawudu. Not really sure what the best way to pronounce that is, but mean Hakim, I think stumbled recently but was a very very highly targeted prospect for a long time so wonder can he get back to his winning ways think that that's gonna be a pretty good fight in the strikingest division in the UFC featherweight and let's just look at the early prelims just for the sake of completeness never heard of those two women's bantam weights never heard of either of those two men's lightweights Matt Frivola might be relatively famous at featherweight Chase Hooper's fighting and then there are couple more no names including opening up on a heavyweight slug fest. I wanted to I wanted to talk about some of these fights here. It's been a while since we talked UFC on Punkadelic podcast and it has it has been a while since I've actually been this excited for a card. Obviously the last card was pretty great. Um the last big card excuse me the last pay-per-view card. But I think that this one is easier to get excited for on paper. Now the last card obviously it wound up everyone just got fucking knocked out and that was fine and that was great and that was entertaining. But I think heading into that event, the, the major, major storyline that we wanted to see as fans was Jorge Masvidal finally tying up the welterweight belt. Any belt in the UFC, to be honest. You know, he's paid his dues. It's time. And um, it's disappointing in a way, but obviously he was beaten so cleanly and so well. And Kamaru is becoming such an exciting fighter to watch. You know, he's finally finishing people and he's not talking about going 30% anymore or whatever all of that really, really bad patter was. So moving into this card is very, very, very exciting. There's a number of things happening here which are very interesting. So straight up, um, should we start going fight by fight here? Yeah, I think so. Let's just get stuck into the analysis here. All right, so Israel Adesanya returning to the middleweight division to take on Marvin Vittori. Marvin has risen to be the next contender. I think that's fair to say. I think... Mm, Maybe he's number two in the division right now. Champ Israel Adesanya, probably number one contender Robert Whittaker, who's just cleaned out Till, Gaslam and Cannoneer since he last lost, uh, lost the belt to Israel Adesanya. So you would expect that uh, Bobby Knuckles will get the next shot after this one. The timing just didn't work out for this. Uh, Adesanya's coach was famously in the press saying that they, they wouldn't give Rob the fight then because he turned this one down but he has come out since and said that he was being facetious of course they're going to give rob that fight that he was just trying to cause a bit of controversy in the press and he didn't realize that robert Whitaker had so many fans so there you go about the whole country of australia just went fucking insane adam for those comments and rightly fucking so bobby knuckles is a lot of people's favorite fighter and for him to have knocked out adesanya in the way that he did in such a devastating fashion was like one of the most difficult nights as an MMA fan that I've had because Adesanya is such a phenom and he's so interesting and so exciting and such a breath of fresh air for the sport. You know, he was in an Anderson Silva for a new era. He had the double champ fight. It's just like exciting has been the word to go around Israel Adesanya's career. Like if you're not a fan, I don't know what else to tell you. Coming into the UFC as a kickboxing phenom, you know, there's always, always the, uh, there's always the worry what happens when they meet a crazy good wrestler. Or are they going to be able to handle the pace? So, Adesanya in his second fight in the UFC handles Marvin Vittori. Um, let's talk about the first fight. So, what did I see when I rewatched the first fight on YouTube very recently? So, what I saw was an Adesanya who very, very, very comfortably won the first two rounds. Um, certainly, the more reserved fighter in there with Vittori. Not um, not bringing the fight to Vittori necessarily, but Vittori has such a such a powerful style, a power-based style, he wants to come across the octagon fast, he wants to hit you hard, and if you're hitting him, he wants to take you down hard, and he'll use power doubles to do that, or he'll do stuff up against the fence, he'll do whatever it takes to get you taken down, but he then, I'm gonna, it's going to sound very critical of Marvin Vittori here, and I'm not sure how much Adesanya enabled this or caused this, but we'll, we'll go back and forth making points here, and we'll, and we'll try and work out what happened, so... What i see is an alesanya that's throwing feints and getting marvin vittori to make absolutely crazy hand movements drawing out all of his attacks before you know like drawing them out to the point that izzy can tell where they're going to come from or maybe what's going to come but never getting to the point in a lot of instances where marvin actually gets the attack off so seeing a lot of classic israel alesanya stuff I'm seeing a Marvin that's getting frustrated. I'm seeing, now I am seeing him landing punches. There are, I think, three or four really serious left hooks that he lands throughout the fight. But he's getting, he's having reactions provoked by Adesanya. He is moving more laterally. He's more stiff. And by the end of the first round, his mouth is hanging open. He's breathing really, really ragged. In round two, Adesanya is really starting to get comfortable. And he is peppering him with a lot a lot of shots and i think it's pretty clear when you watch it back now and now obviously we're a couple of years removed and we've seen what has done since is that he's trying to set up one of those short uh, it's kind of like a robbie lawler shovel punch just the exact punch that he knocked whitaker out with you can see him sort of twisting at the hip and just missing vittori with a few times so he was trying to throw he was trying to set up that perfect knockout attack obviously didn't get it vittori is unsuccessful in a number of things he tries to do in this fight goes for a number of different greco-roman trips and doesn't get those when he finally does land a takedown against alessania is he moves so much on the ground that vittori doesn't get a shot off i don't think he really gets any like so he takes him down in round three and is on top for a significant not insignificant period like i think it's maybe two minutes out of the five doesn't really do a lot with it doesn't hold him in one place doesn't doesn't touch his face, doesn't hurt him up, doesn't leave him bleeding or anything like that. Um, it's a scrappy takedown. You know, it just... I think that Marvin Vittori was outclassed. He says that he won the fight. It was a split decision. I think one judge was obviously smoking fucking crack that night. But um, if you want to give it as a split decision, two rounds to one, then that's fine. Israel Adesanya still wins and we know, we know that. That was clean. That's a clean victory don't think Vittori saying that he won is notable in any way apart from the fact of you know a this guy is just wrong and maybe fundamentally doesn't know how mixed martial arts is scored b it could just be a confidence thing who knows let's wait and see what happens on Saturday night but that's what I saw from the first fight I thought that Adesanya won that one very very cleanly and we'll move on now to talking about what they've both done since so has just gotten cleaner and cleaner. So he goes the distance in his next fight which is uh with Brad Tavares and you know makes Brad Tavares look really 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 ordinary. He then gets another very very heavy wrestler Derek Bronson. He knocks Bronson out uh, either very late in the second, excuse me, very late in the first round or very early in the in the second. So um like dispatched him and clinical brutal knees look up some of the knees that he lands against uh against Bronson it is Terrifying, and the technique uh, Dan Hardy broke it down in full. There is one of the knees that is just—he manages to spin his leg in a way. It's just—it's a crazy bit of mixed martial arts, and you could only get. Obviously, is—is he is a fucking master of this type of stuff, and that is one of the times that he really, really, really proves it—that he knows how to get the distance. He can manipulate the distance of strikes that he has already started throwing on the fly, and that adaptation, that gigantic fight IQ, and So the ability to do that, coupled with a giant fight IQ, makes Israel Adesanya the fighter that he is. Obviously then he had the loss to Jan Blachowicz, and people are concerned that that might have been um, the book written on how to beat Adesanya. You know, throw him down, keep him down, um, throw strikes from the top. But is Vittori definitely going to be able to do that? Because Adesanya's takedown defense is still so, so, so good. So let's have a look at the stats. Where is Marvin Vittori coming from for this fight? So Marvin Vittori so is just beaten up Kevin Holland to the surprise of absolutely fucking no one. So it's kind of a soft fight to get a title fight off. But the previous fight before that, when he stepped in against, is it Hermanson or Heinish? I can't remember, whichever one didn't drop out of the fight. Um... And he beat him cleanly over five rounds, as far as I could tell, as far as I can remember. I'm not really sure that I was definitely tuning into that card for a five-round Marvin Vittori main event, but here we all are now in a title fight that's actually interesting. So, these men match up in kind of a weird way. It's like the classical fucking... It's kind of a classic trope. We've got a really... We've got a striking phenom, and he's super intelligent, hyper-reserved, uh, lots of feints lots of tricky stuff um, the Anderson Silva of a new generation so that's a great touch point if you want to think about that it's, it's sort of Anderson Silva versus Chris Lieben again okay so we're going to have a guy who's going to come crashing forward he's going to be throwing power he's powerful digs and um, everything's just going to be about power and crashing and coming forward and momentum with him unless we see A very, very tactical approach from Vittori, but going by, if we accept the pass as prologue, as Luke Thomas always likes to say, then Vittori's going to come crashing forward, so it's going to be forward motion against the reserve counter-striker. So, on paper, you think, well, the reserve counter-striker probably wins that one. Now, in this case, it's just a little more interesting because we have Izzy coming off that loss. Like, Does that mean that he's going to have the jitters, or is he going to have gone full fucking dog and just be ready to dispatch Vittori in one round this time? Obviously, I would personally prefer to see the latter, because I think that Vittori, although he is a very, very good fighter, lacks a certain amount of fight IQ, lacks a certain amount of subtlety, and... I think that those are qualities that Israel Adesanya has in spades and that it's cool to have in a champion, whereas Vittori, I don't know if he is certainly the the embodiment of a champion inside and outside of the cage. So uh, let's see. But then again, of course, it could be a language barrier. Maybe I just don't like his personality. Maybe me and him just wouldn't be friends if we were hanging out in real life. It's hard to say. Um, But I'm more, much more of an Israel Adesanya fan. I think Adesanya is... Much more exciting to the sport of mixed martial arts generally than you know uh, someone who has big power and has a number of guillotines on their record as v- Vittori has. So, uh, but also a lot of decisions as well. So, I think Adesanya is definitely the better fighter. I-, I would love to, I would love to hear a really well thought out argument the opposite direction. Perhaps you'd want to say that Vittori is more well rounded because he can both strike and wrestle, but. Can he do anything to the level that Israel Adesanya can strike? No. So we're just getting into an age-old argument here of is it better to specialize or be well-rounded? And that is very, very hard to say. And that's why we watch the UFC every week. We're trying to see which is which is on top at any given time. So now I think it's time we'll take a look at the statistics on this one. And then perhaps we'll go and look at the stats for the last fight. So career statistics for both of these guys. So it seems like they actually land very, very similar amount of strikes per minute. Adesanya at 3.95 and Vittori at 4.14, slight advantage there. But Adesanya has a significant advantage in the accuracy being 49% accurate to Vittori's 44. So still not a crazy difference. there nothing that you're going to want to bet your fucking life savings on. So let's have a look here. Adesanya absorbs less strikes per minute, but not by much. Defends 5% more strikes. Torrey averages 2.22 takedowns per 15 minutes. Adesanya averages 0 and has never, I don't think, has even attempted a takedown in the UFC. So therefore, his takedown accuracy is 0 compared to Vittori's 53%. However, Adesanya's takedown defense is 82% compared to Vittori's 78%. However, I don't think Vittori is going to have to call on his defense, whereas Adesanya almost definitely will. Adesanya attempts 0.3 submissions per 15 minutes, whereas Marvin Vittori attacks 0.8. So very, very, very evenly matched on paper here, and I don't know what could separate them here. Uh, Experience certainly, I think, favors Adesanya. Certainly experience in title fights, certainly experience in five-round fights. Does that mean the cardio favors him? I don't know. If Vittori comes into this with anything less than fucking stellar cardio, then I don't think this is going to be a pretty good night for him. Because Adesanya, we know, can go five rounds. And, you know, I well, fucking did against Romero, I guess, but he wasn't doing much else there. So do we know Adesanya can go five rounds? Against Gaslam. Yes, there we go. There is of course historical precedent there. Vittori has gone five rounds against Holland. I don't recall how he looked at the end of that fight, but I don't think Holland was putting up much of a fight, so um not sure how much of what Holland was doing would have been using up Vittori's energy versus just what he expended himself. So I don't know how good of an uh a reference that is. Did the Hermansen fight go all five rounds? Well it doesn't matter matter because I didn't see it so I can't comment on how good his cardio looked there anyway. So, again, on paper, it's Adesanya's fight to lose. But I wouldn't be crazy surprised if Marvin squeezed out an upset, whether just by Adesanya having the jitters or by just being a fucking blitzing brawler and getting something through the guard that Izzy doesn't see coming. However, then, Izzy's fight against Paulo Costa, against Romero, although Romero used such strange tactics, we don't know what would have happened if he just came forward. Of course, Bobby Knuckles just came forward against Adesanya and look what happened. I would not like to call this fight. I think an Adesanya victory, but I don't know how or where or when. I mean, knockout, TKO, or decision, it's unlikely to be a submission, but when that comes, how Adesanya looks, how the fight shapes up, it's just going to be very, very interesting to see him get in there and who who takes the center of the octagon first, who's going to throw the first punch, who's going to be... like Adesanya's going to be on his bike. He's going to be moving around Vittori. He's going to be cutting off at angles. He's going to be doing tricky things. He's just got a lot more slickness. Can that slickness be maintained over five rounds, avoiding big, stupid fucking left hooks that come from out of fucking nowhere? Constant fucking takedown threat. This isn't exactly the same Vittori that fought him the first time. You know, he's had, what, whatever it's been, four more UFC fights, I think one of which was a loss. So yes, as I say, a little bit of a soft soft approach to the title, but I guess there aren't really too many, there's really no such thing as a soft approach to the title in the UFC, but I feel like his path to this fight has just been a little bit easier than Adesanya's. Now, that might uh, that might work in his favour, and having not been, you know, worked to the bone for five rounds by Jan Blachowicz earlier this year, might work in his favour, but then he has fought more recently than Adesanya, so... Just an interesting one. As I say, smart, smart, smart money. Always on Israel Adesanya here. and uh, But just not to count out Vitoria with a puncher's chance as ever. So let's see. I'm hoping for an absolute Adesanya masterclass. I want to see cool things happening. I'd love to see the return of the question mark kick from his kickboxing days. And again, he's just he's an exciting fighter with a cool personality. And if he wins this fight then, I mean, obviously I think his next fight will have to be Robert Whitaker for the belt. But if he was to win that one and win convincingly, then I don't think there's anybody that could tell us that he wouldn't be able to go up and rematch Yan again. Like, I'm sure he wants that fight again. I don't know if he has the appetite to move divisions again. Maybe he just wants to stay at middleweight for a while. But he would have the capital to ask for it with another two wins. No problem. And then, then we get back to talking about John Jones. Also, don't think that Glover Teixeira is definitely not going to beat Jan Blachowicz. So, say Glover takes the belt, that could be a, an easier path to victory at light heavyweight for Adesanya than Jan. So, his future is fucking fascinating. I think with Vittori, with Vittori, we're probably talking about, you know, maybe a future champ someday. I'm not sure. If Adesanya moves up to lightweight, light heavyweight full-time, let's just talk about that for a second. Vittori maybe takes over the belt or... Um, Bobby Knuckles or Gastelum, then we might see Camaradine moves up, moves up, move up to uh, middleweight and try and take take them on. So some fascinating dynamics and and future er, future possibilities revolving around this fight. So uh, let's get the minority report on Saturday night and see what happens. Very 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 excited for that one. Um, just. As I say, if you're not excited about Adesanya being in the UFC and just generally being around and being a good guy, talking about anime, saying I'm prepared to die in the middle of the ring, being good crack on Joe Rogan, you know, just seems like an affable guy, seems like a good guy, seems to have handled the loss well, which I think is important in MMA and I think it'll galvanise him. Uh, his team are interesting you know silly kickboxing they have got another fighter on this card we'll talk about later brad riddell who i'm not too well versed in so i'm going to use this as an excuse to watch his highlights with you all so um yeah, just adesanya a fighting uh, an interesting prospect exciting uh thing in the fight game and vittori I'm just not sure he's destined to be one of the all-time greats whereas adesanya i think so however if vittori dethrones adesanya on saturday night then I'm going to have to come on here and talk a whole different kettle of shit. So, let's fucking see. All right, in the co-main event of UFC 263, we have the rematch of one of the fights of last year. Saved the flyweight division, basically. Figueiredo saved the division by himself. Those two fights against uh, Joe Jitsu. Fuck me, what's Joe's surname? I completely forget. Joseph Benavidez. There we are. You know, interesting, interesting for the wrong ways in the fact that he misses weight for the first one, knocks him out fucking cold, and then can't win the belt because of the weight miss, so that was a fascinating one. Then does the job, but even faster the second time round? Like, really heartbreaking stuff for Joe, really heartbreaking stuff for Joe Benavidez, there, you know, obviously everyone in MMA felt for him, but Figueroa just seems to be it at flyweight, you know, he is exciting, he has got flaws, like, he is beatable, I 100% think he's beatable, I mean, if it hasn't happened, I mean, if it hasn't happened recently, and I don't know if Brandon Moreno is going to be the guy to do it, but... Certainly he's beatable, he's got those weight issues, and he's very very much a power puncher, uh, throws a lot of fucking, throws a lot a lot of pops, so I don't think I've ever seen that effect as cardio, but we're going into another five round fucking war here, coming off the back of another one, so these things do all add up, Um, an interesting character being a former, was he a former hairdresser and a former sushi chef, or maybe he still does both those things in his spare time, who the fuck knows, um, but Knockout power, submissions, Figueredo seems to have it all. Then you have Branton Moreno, who's an interesting character in that when it was the tough season of the Flyweights, he was the last seed and he wound up winning the show, fought in the USC for a brief stint, was cut, won a shit ton of matches in his native Mexico on the regional scene, brought back in, stormed to the top of the division, took that fight with Moreno on fucking... No, he is Moreno. Took that fight with Figueredo on three weeks' notice. I mean, granted, yes, they both did, but... Still, fucking bad horse and then the throw down like that for five rounds was exceptional. Now, was there the worst fucking nut shot that I can remember in mixed martial arts history in that fight? And did the point deduction then lead us to the draw? Yes. Uh, do I think that without the nut shot, Brandon Moreno would have won the fight clean? No. So I'm not really sure what way this is going to go this time. I think Moreno has the volume, Figueredo has the power, both of them have the cardio because it's flyweight. I think, though, that with the full training camp and not the three weeks, Figueredo will be able to use the training camp to hone his power and uh, do a lot more research on Moreno. Use, obviously, you know, the download and the data that everybody talks about that John Jones does from their last fight. So he knows his tendencies and whatnot now. I think that this might be an early knockout victory for Figueredo. I think, in general, this will be a victory for Figueredo. But I don't think that it takes anything away from Brandon Moreno to be the second best in the world right now. And, you know, probably having one of the worst nicknames in the game, you know, we might have to keep you at number one contender, Brandon. The assassin baby Moreno. I mean, even the baby assassin. Although then that sounds like you kill babies. So, listen, I don't know. Assassin is a bit syllabally. For a UFC nickname. Like poor Bruce Buffer. Is going to put his fucking throat out. Reading that out. And he still has to say Adesanya. Before the end of the night. So. Um, you know. I'm not really too sure. What to say about this one. Like like most fans. You know. I'm not like hyper invested. Into the flyweight division. But I'm not one of these deckheads That doesn't watch it. And I'm not one of these people. That thinks that it's without its merit. I think that it's just kind of. Almost too crazy to watch sometimes. Because nobody can throw kicks. Because. Uh, They're too fast, so they dive under the kicks and then everything turns into wrestling, so it's kind of a strange style. It's sort of like a totally, almost like a totally different sport to bantamweight. It's almost like a totally different sport, flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight, and then from there on up, it's kind of similar. But there are just sort of like subtle differences in the speed and what will work and what won't work at those lower sizes. So this is fascinating. This is a division that was going to be cut, if you remember um okay so what i'm gonna do here is i'm gonna look up gonna look up highlights of the first fight i don't want to watch the entire fucking thing but let's just have a look over it here and see if there are any key moments of course it's up in folder i'm not i'm not i've watched a lot of fighting content this week i want to get it out i want to have everything said and i still have to go and check out um whatever dan hardy made for the bt uh, i can't access here in canada without a vpn so i'll go and watch that But otherwise, Jack Slack, obviously you want to hear Jack Slack's podcast, the most cynical fucker in the world. Even he is excited about this chord. like really excited. Uh, I have to finish Morning Combat from today. The Believe You Me with a Break It Down won't come out until Thursday night. And I just wanted to get, I want to get this out to you guys before. I want you to have two or three days to sit in the pocket with this and think about it. Um, But in future, I'll try and get these things out a week in advance. It's just difficult because... The, the in-depth coverage that I like to read, the technical stuff doesn't start until like the Monday or the Tuesday, maybe even the Wednesday or the Thursday of fight week. So by the time I consume all that, construct a narrative and argue the point back and forth both ways, so actually make a decent podcasting content, should the fights will be fucking over? So I don't know what the answer is here for doing regular UFC content. And I don't want to just do after the facts because... Being excited about fucking fights is half the fucking battle. The wondering what the fuck is going to happen is more exciting, I think, than the, oh, well, we already know what happened. So And then, obviously, it moves on to the, what happens next. So, anticipation is what we're trying to create here. I'm trying to create positive fucking emotions for you guys. out just throwing quality combinations, fucking punching, and then going straight to a power double there in round one. He's still he so much harder. Like Moreno must have a hell of a chin for taking all of this. Moreno's fast. He's got good punch defense. Maybe we need to look up these boys' stats. See, there's Moreno throwing a kick that leaves him on the ground, but manages to score a body triangle on him before Figueiredo can properly land ground and pound. This was fascinating. Maybe I should have watched the whole fight with you guys. I don't want this to be the longest fucking podcast in the world, though, either. I want you to get your information about USC 263 and get the fuck out okay so i'm just watching five minutes worth of highlights here but it would seem wow there was such a head kick on the replay there okay round two i mean i mean whoever cut these fucking highlights together this is all figurito but um jesus christ what a combo there! up and down head and body sort of crouching down to get those bodies like this is very high level mixed martial arts amazing scrambles on the ground here too there's no telling when these boys hit the mat who's actually going to wind up on top jesus christ he's hitting him with some uppercuts here Figueroa. but then moreno taking him down almost at will there they punched each other right at the same time step each other back but moreno manages to step in faster moreno's faster but does that make the difference this saturday night does that make the difference once Figueroa has had a fucking full camp? So I'm seeing more wild swinging now that we're in round three From both Moreno and Figueredo. Missed high kicks is not what you want a flyweight. Not at all. Because you will be taken down. There's the nut shot. Oh my God. I don't think you can call that fake. I don't think that this is a... This is not one of those Aldermane Sterling situations that can even be debated. So there's the point being taken away. Whatever. Like I was happy to see the point being taken away for once. See, it seems like these highlights are all kind of Figueredo. But Jesus Christ, what a hellacious overhand right just landed for Moreno. Holy fuck! I'll link this highlight video in the episode description. So, three rounds to two to Figueredo going into the last. Moreno wins this one and then has had the point deduction. Christ, he's landing so many good shots against Figueredo. Figueredo's checking high kicks to the head. Trying for power doubles and body locks. To stop Marino attacking him. Oh, he just hit him so cleanly he has three minutes to go in the third round. Fifth round, excuse me. Doing good body work in the last round. Wait, who gave Moreno this round? Uppercuts? Oh shit, maybe that's why Moreno got it. Moreno unloading combinations. Figueroa fucking falling over. Looked like he really rocked him there. Figueroa did get rocked to paces in this fight. That definitely happened. Marino didn't finish up with the killer instinct that he needed. So now, actually thinking back, yes, Marino could finish fucking Figueroa. Wow, he's lighting them up in the last fifteen seconds of this fight. There we go. Jason Herzog steps in. That's it. Over. Fucking hell. Now there's some nice slow down replays for me here. Significant strikes across the rounds. 31 to 21, Figueiredo round 1. 29 to 24, Figueiredo round 2. 24-15, Moreno round 3. 27 27, round 4. Fucking hell. That doesn't give me the last round there. Okay. Oh, excuse me, I must have misspoke. This is the final round. I'm not sure where I was going there. I, I read one of the tweets that comes up on screen get those tweets off the screen ufc nobody fucking cares what wonderboy thompson has to say about a fucking fight that he's not in that's still happening Love Stephen thompson just time and a place bro so what can you say about that fight other than iron chins unbelievable gas tanks like this was mixed martial arts as well there are scrambles there's combinations there's high kicks there's fucking grappling, and then here we go, they're, obviously they're announced as a majority draw. They're both fucking devastated. Figueredo leaves with the belt, but... Fucking hell. Christ, had forgotten just how good that was. Now I'm all kinds of excited to watch that again. Watch that there. I'll link this, as I say, into the episode description. You watch that highlight video, it's five minutes long, and you tell me you're not excited for that flyweight title fight you know, something that we all thought was fucking impossible. And then questions after this one, right, so let's just say Figueroa wins it. Are you telling me you don't want to see them open the checkbook and bring Cejudo back for that fight? I think Figueroa fucking sparks Cejudo, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Very, very interesting. Could he move up? I mean, the bantamweight title picture is pretty fucking crowded, but um UFC loves double champions. They love that shit, so... And it's been a while since we had one Adesanya fucked up his chance this year maybe they want to try and do that for Figueroa. figurino is naturally more of a bantamweight anyway i think that he just has that such a power advantage at 125 that's why he goes down there i am sure he could swim in the shark infested waters of 135. okay next fight up for us to talk about is leon edwards versus nate diaz notably over five rounds for the first time for a non-title fight or main event in the ufc you know, they will be in the fucking rules when they want to. And let's just get this out of the way fucking early. This is Leon Edwards' fight to fucking lose, right? He's on an E fight win streak at welterweight. That last fight doesn't fucking count. That was rec- that was uh, a no contest. Yes, he does have the worst luck in mixed martial arts. That's absolutely dreadful. What did he do? He sat on a shelf for two years, came back, the worst eye poke in UFC history, no contest. But look, the UFC know what they've got there. They have... um. He's regularly referred to as the Floyd Mayweather of MMA. He's from England, so that means he can have gigantic fucking hometown show in London whenever travel opens back up, if they can get him to the title, of course. And it just seems like they're holding his fucking hand every step of the way with this match. Nate Diaz, can his legendary toughness step up to the man that is supposed to be able to do everything? Now, here's the thing. Here's why I say he's supposed to be able to do everything and like I think of Leon Edwards as this rare and elusive beast like a fucking unicorn because I have never seen the man fight. Not once in my fucking life. Every time he gets a main event it's like some fight night in fucking China or Azerbaijan or Panama or somewhere and nobody I know, nobody in the western world fucking gets to see it live. So what i thought that we would do on here is go and look up a good video of leon's career highlights and start to look through and start to look through some of those i'm really really excited to do this because i've only ever heard effusive things about him um he's supposed to be a striking savant he loves to look like he's gonna tie up the double collar tie make it a real clinch battle but as soon as the opponent even moves back an inch because they don't want to be in a clinch battle he is smashing them with elbows he is known renowned for using his elbows to fucking hurt people he's got submission and ground and pound he's got movement all these things i keep hearing about i, I can't wait to get a good highlight video up here and find out for myself nate diaz obviously like i mean there's nothing I can tell you about Nate Diaz that you don't already know, or um, let me try and sum it up if you don't know. Consider a human punching bag that never stops coming forward, that's always game the fight, that's got the dirtiest boxing in the game, will never stop coming forward and trying to hit you in the face. And if it hits the ground, has a black belt that can fucking finish anyone as far as i'm concerned um very very high level uh very high level game. look at the details of how he finished conor mcgregor that first time just really really tasty jujitsu no wasted movement efficient but it's got to get there and i just don't know i don't know but let's watch leon's highlights here first and then we'll come back and talk about it okay, here we go i will link you into this clip in the episode bio as usual okay is this somebody's artsy fartsy project all right, we'll give a little bit of sound here then. Don't want to get into any copyright issues, but it, hopefully whoever this was has edited this heavily enough. Okay, this is just training footage. Like, I need to see shit that he did in the ring. Doesn't he have an eight-second knockout on his record? I mean, yes, it's from, like, 2014, but that power is there. He's a natural welterweight, so you like to, you have to assume that he's maintained that power. Okay, this dubstep's doing my fucking tits in. Let's turn this shit down. Alright, here we go. Who's he fighting here? No idea. It doesn't matter. Well, this is the 8 second knockout. Has to be. Like, was that a lead hand strike? Does he just knock people out with his fucking jab? Of course it's not going to show me. It's going to fucking show him walking around the ring for the next 30 seconds and then move on to the next fight. Who makes these fucking highlight videos? Now, what just happened there? What am I even looking at? Okay, so he's been thrown and the boy's landed on top here. Now, what do we got to do? Holy fuck. Vicious kick to the mouth for that boy that previously tucked Leon down. Knees. Yes, Leon Edwards is a practitioner of the art of eight limbs. That's what I've heard. Okay, here we see him scoring a rear naked choke. Does he lock this up? Does this finish the fight? Nice one. Fair play. I don't know anything about that guy or the fight up until then, so maybe this highlights thing was a bad idea. Maybe, maybe we'll go back and get a different video because this one kind of stinks. Okay, here we see him fighting Vincente Luque, who's no joke. Rock Luque with a power hander. Kick to the body. Kick to the head. Straight one-two. Another kick to the body. Okay, this is jumping around in time too much. Heavy pressure up against the fence. Clean one twos. Goes for a power double. Switches it up to the body. This is all up against the fence. Luke is just fucking standing here. Okay, so we've got knockdown power for sure. There's a great uppercut. Sort of looked like he was going to clinch it up, but just. Okay, here we go against Cerrone. Threatening the knee when Cerrone threatens a the takedown. There we see an elbow coming out of the clinch. That's a signature move. There's another elbow. Fuck he fucked Cerrone up with those. How dare you beat up everyone's favourite fighter. Head kick landing. Power hand landing. Stance switching. Moving off at angles. This guy's got a lot. There's a lot to like about Leon Edwards. That's for sure. Oh, it's fucking rough. Watch get beat up. Already right, against Gunnar Nelson here. Hellacious elbows coming out of hand fighting there. Yeah, drops him. Dropping elbows from the ground and pound. You know, it is the effective tactic, but we don't always see everybody doing it. Leon seems to be making it his business to drop elbows on Gunnar Nelson here. Alright, here we go against Dos Anjos. Elbows again. Dos Anjos looks fucking ruined after that first elbow, and it happened at 45 seconds of the first round. Elbow again in the second round. Edwards is a fucking welterweight too. Like anybody that's a former lightweight will be beaten up. This is bad fucking news for Nate Diaz. Go and watch the highlights from this uh, from this Dos Anjos fight if you're like me and you've never seen Edwards fight because man, I haven't seen Dos Anjos get fucking fought like this since Tony Ferguson. Is Edwards a better Tony Ferguson? Is that fair to say? cuts underneath Ordier's guard. The IQ is off the charts here. Stance switching. Moving off at angles. Okay, we've the Muhammad fight here. Was there time to land anything decent in this fight? Wow, that was a dangerous high kick. This is round one. If that had been thrown in round five, that was a fight ender for sure. Blah, just still had enough to get away from it. And that's the video. That's a short one, but... So it's just like, can Nate Diaz use his fucking zombie fucking powers to just bring it to Edwards in rounds four and five? Because Edwards, like, I don't know. As I say, I haven't watched him fight myself, but listening to Dan Hardy today, listening to... um. Who else was i believe jack slack also like i steal everything for this podcast i have never had an original idea okay but the original idea that i have is to just fucking tell you all where i steal it from so that you all know so you can go and look it up so that nobody ever calls bollocks and me i'll just be like go to these so-called experts whose fucking opinions i am fucking rehashing and so just uh, the, the point being here right the point being here that leon has everything that he needs to win this fight on paper but i have heard that there are sometimes issues with his cardio i've heard that he's let up a lot in round three of three round fights and in round five of five round fights before now i wouldn't be prepared to stake my life on that because i'm just repeating someone something that i've heard somebody else say i'll probably watch the entire cerrone fight and whatever other full fights that they have up here from because i am so interested to see what he can do now and uh You know, to have Nate Diaz there as a punching bag to throw those elbows at and to have all that scar tissue on Nate Diaz's face, this face is going to be bright red by the end of the first fucking round and we're probably going to be looking at another doctor stoppage here if uh, Leon can't get the clean knockout. So, can Nate Diaz just bring on the legendary toughness in rounds four and five with a fading Leon and fucking finish this shit? That would be the most ignominious I don't know what the word I'm trying to use is there. I can hear it, but I can't spell it, so therefore I won't use it. But if that brings Leon's win streak to a close, they will give Nate Diaz a title shot so fucking fast that it will make your fucking head spin, and he'll get beat up so fucking thoroughly by Dean Usman. We'll all just be like, why the fuck do we even bother watching this fucking fight? That's fucking dumb. We need someone who can properly challenge Kamaru Dean. And I think that Leon Edwards is that man, even though he does have a loss to Kamaru Dean. Welterweight title fights, if you've heard me banging on about how I'm fucking sick of them being poor and substandard, and I just want to see something, you know, be a five-round fucking war that's back and forth. I don't think that's this fight, but I think Leon Edwards versus Kamaru might be at this stage of both their careers and uh, i think i'm pulling for leon edwards despite him being english and despite him being one of the worst crack people i have ever come across like this uh this chord's countdown was absolutely fantastic brilliant brilliant footage of adesanya doing all this crazy strength and conditioning in the sea in new zealand very 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 um good cinematography there and <laughs> then just sitting at a table wearing loafers drinking a fucking meal with a man or eating a meal with a man i'm not really sure what's going on there is that his fucking mob boss that paid all of his early sponsorships and rigged all of his early fights i do not know but later on you see fucking leon edwards come on and talk about his life in uh where's he from he grew up in manchester either way it's not the point it's like the north of england so pretty grim obviously a lot um probably a lot of racial shit that he had to put up with father moved from kingston so he's, he's had a bit of a life right but He's so fucking depressing about it. You know, you'd think he'd be a little happier now, but he's like, it uh, comes on in that countdown, and he's like, yeah, seen people stabbed, seen people shot, seen people murdered, seen people get their cars stolen, seen people go to jail, seen people covered in blood, seen people shoplifting, seen people shoplifting blood, seen them go down a store, nick a Twix, seen people steal boost bars, cans of Coke, two liters of milk, four sausage rolls. You know, it's just like this dire fucking list of all this shit that he went through. And you know, that's so good that you're fucking scrapping your way out of it. And I think he does a lot for, um, I think he does a lot for the youth in his community and the younger kickboxing movement in the UK. So, um, you know probably a good guy if a bit boring you know i don't need my mixed martial artists to all be mr personality it's cool when they are like israel adesanya but it's not necessary and i think that leon's skills will speak for themselves i w- would like to know why they call it why they compare him to mayweather so often they must be very 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 sound defensively that doesn't necessarily make for the greatest highlights to watch on a podcast though so i'm not going to try and hunt those down right now but very very excited for that excited that it's five rounds the five rounds thing does make it lean a little towards diaz rather than edwards but you know if you once you got the name diaz read right out against you if you haven't worked on your cardio so fucking solidly for that for the entire fight camp then that's fucking on you so that's a very very interesting one again with the main event it's got such a clear fucking narrative on paper but i'm not gonna fall out of bed if um if diaz edges it you know whether by um judge indiscretion or by a fucking uh, submission i'm not i wouldn't like to bet on this fight at all i'm just saying that it's mixed martial arts expect the upset if you're a betting man i bet you you would make a fucking fortune if you bet on nate diaz because like edwards is the biggest favorite on the card by fucking far so um yeah, check it out. I'm interested to see what the coolest strikes that Leon can muster up are. I wonder what we maybe ever see? He seems to be too technically sound to ever worry about any uh, spinning back shit or like question mark kicks or any of the super flashy techniques. But the uh, those elbows coming off the double collar ties are mental. Like they may they're sort of so fast that you might not see them sometimes. But and the cat, you know. The um, camera. a couple of times I was watching those highlights there the camera's behind his opponent so you don't really get to see the impact so that's unfortunate, hopefully that's not an issue on Saturday night and we get to see everything in full fucking HD but um, yeah just so so excited for these top 3 fights, cannot fucking wait for UFC 263 anybody at home, I hope you're staying up for it uh, because this is this feels like this is going to be an exciting one And I don't mean in the way of, oh, everybody's going to get knocked out like the last pay-per-view, but, like, we're going to learn a lot about some of our favourite mixed martial artists here. Questions over Adesanya. Is Leon Edwards the real deal? Who's the best fucking flyweight? Let's get answers! Okay, so what I wanted to do before I loveys and leaveys for the day was talk about the featured prelim fight on Saturday night, which sees Drew Dober taking on Brad Riddell. Now, I do not know anything about Brad Riddell. He is another one of these guys who I have just never seen fight. He is a lightweight, so it is obviously such a stacked fucking shark tank there right now. And he is um, hes on rank there right now, so it uh, he would be on prelims and early prelims, maybe on fight nights. But let's have a look into this man's career. First of all, then we're going to watch his highlights, and then we'll go from there. So he's born on 30th of September, so he's slightly younger than me, but the same school year. And uh, let's have a look at his record. So only one loss on the record, so nine wins, one loss. Loss came to Abel Brits by submission in a previous fucking organization. Makes his UFC debut at UFC 243. Fights Jamie Malarkey, wins the unanimous decision. Defeats Magomed Mustafaev last February in a split decision. And also defeats Alex da Silva Coelho. I'm sure I pronounced that horribly. Coelho. I'm just not Portuguese. And that was a unanimous decision also as well. So this guy just loves the fucking decision people. Is that it? So decision, let's have a look here for his last uh, method. So decision, 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 decision. TKO, TKO, submission. Or oh, this loss was a submission. TKO, TKO, KO. All right, so, um, and move back down to lightweight for his return to the UFC having been at welterweight. And his debut against Jamie Malarkey won fight of the night. And has, he, Wikipedia lists his incomplete kickboxing record as having uh, 59 wins and 10 losses. So, well versed in that. Striking dude, he had a win, he has a win over John Wayne Power in 2016. Nice. Loses to Cedric Doombay so hold on Brad Riddell is like one of the shit hottest kickboxers on fucking earth if he's fighting John Wayne Power and Cedric Doombay No, word, it was 2016, but still And there's a single boxing loss on his record, so this guy likes to fucking fight Wow. Well, I'm fucking excited to see is uh see his highlights now, so let's see Once again look for the link to this video in the episode description Okay, it's just showing me pad work here, but he's fast as fuck. It's obviously in Thailand. It's at Tiger Muay Thai. Okay, now we've moved on to him at City Kickboxing, hitting pads with Eugene Berman. He's fast. He can throw his fucking hands. Lots of low kicks coming in there. God help the pad man. So undefeated in the UFC. Only one loss in mixed martial arts. Striking phenom. 59 kickboxing wins. Good friends with Israel Adesanya. So probably in there training with Adesanya, with Hooker, with... uh, Volkanovski when he's there, so he is not fucking around. This is just showing me him training. This isn't showing me fucking fight highlights at all. And now it's going to show me kickboxing highlights. I'm not sure that that's exactly what I need right now, bro. This is probably just a kickboxing highlights video now that I think about it. Right, well, whoever this Chinese boy is that he's beating the fuck out of. It has literally been unconscious on his feet for the last eight punches. This is in a community center somewhere. Jesus Christ. Two punches in the boy is out fucking cold. Okay, now we're in a cage. Is this fucking mixed martial arts here or what? Jesus Christ. Big knees. Kickboxing in the cage. You know, I love to see people come over from kickboxing. Adesanya has been my guy. I thought Gokhan Saki would be my guy. Did have a couple of exciting knockouts. But maybe Brad Riddell is my fucking guy. BAM! That's him punching the fuck out of John Wayne Power. This must be the win over him. Because he also has a loss to him. Jesus Christ, yeah, Power's out cold. Fuck! Yeah, I am going to be tuned fucking in for this fight. And Drew Dober's absolutely no slouch. You know, he just pulled a short straw in having to fight Islam Makachev. But you know, everybody else at fucking Lightweight would want to watch their fucking backs. Because someday, They're going to have to be the ones to fight Islam Makachev. At least fucking Dober has it done. He's downloaded the data. So if he ever has to do it again, I mean, he'll have better than a puncher's chance that time round. But like Makachev looks like the second coming. There's no doubt about it. We should all be scared. We should want shit hot strikers and interesting jujitsu players like Oliveira to dominate that division. Because the stranglehold has just been lessened. Let's not put it right back in there now. Let's have a fucking round robin with that belt. Let's just keep it fucking moving. Okay, well, I'll probably just link you into these highlights. These are awesome. This is just all of his kickboxing KOs, I think. And he just seems to be really, really dogged in pursuing it. Very, very talented looking dude. I'm so happy that we did this. I'm so excited to watch uh, So excited to watch that fight on Saturday night. You know nobody's getting taken down between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. This is going to be fucking craziness. And I would argue Dober's the more powerful. I mean, I'm basing this on whatever. I've just watched, like, four minutes of fucking Riddell's highlights here. But, like, Dober's got a shit-ton of uh, KOs in the UFC. Or a couple. Or maybe a shit-ton is putting too fine a point on it. Whereas Riddell has only had decisions since he came in here. So, that's very, very, very interesting now. Can Dober get the fucking sparkage on? Or will Riddell fucking kickbox move hmm I just sometimes I have an idea for a podcast and even I don't think it's going to turn out as good as it does because that just got me more pumped really than anything I love to hear about a kickboxer coming over I wish regular kickboxing was like Better promoted and more entertaining. Uh, I mean, I know Alistair Overeem's just moved back to glory. But apart from that, what can you even tell me has been going on? In kickboxing recently, Cedric Dumbay made all that noise about coming to MMA. And it hasn't really. I'm not sure what's going on there. Obviously, under COVID, shit got fucked up. But... What are they going to do? Just make Rico Verhoeven fight fucking Potter Hari every single day for the rest of his life? Fuck that. No. Get yeah, Gohan Saki to, back, uh, to sign back up as well. Throw a few fucking legends in here. Uh, see if we can have some legend fights. Maybe see then if we can make a new generation of superstars off the back of these uh, legends that are on their way out and go from there. I don't know. I'm not trying to fucking solve all the kickboxing's fucking problems. It's a sport that I don't even watch that often myself. Just one that I really, really enjoy when I do hear about a good fight. So... There you go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Also, don't forget that uh, if you like kickboxing, Joanne Calderwood should be able to use hers to stay on the outside and pick Lauren Murphy apart. But Lauren Murphy, as an American, does, of course, have a certain level of wrestling pedigree. So whatever, we are absolutely on Team JoJo here at Punkadelic Podcast. We cannot wait to see Scotland have its first UFC champion. That is going to be a mental night for alcoholism. So, um really really hope that uh, jojo can do the business don't know though and then of course she has to go up against valentina if she wins that so it's a fucking thankless task a poison chalice if ever there was one but uh somebody has to fight valentina that's fucking it at the end of the day what are we going we can't just let her start fighting men although you wouldn't pay to watch valentina versus henry get out of here all right listen peace love punkadelic